Hi everyone, welcome to Gray Matters. This is Charmaine. Today we're going to be discussing white privilege. Yes, hello everyone. This is Ricky and in this episode, like Charmaine said, we're gonna specifically focus on white privilege and what that means. Um, and so this episode is actually connected to two other episodes that we're gonna release back to back. So like we said, this episode will be about white privilege. The next episode will be about cultural appropriation. And then following that, we're gonna talk about colorism. And we just found it easier to have conversations about these three topics if they are back to back, because a lot of the same conversations that we're gonna have about white privilege, we will continue those conversations in the following episodes. So stay tuned for that. Um, we also thought it was important to have these conversations because I'm seeing a lot of um, just in social media and day-to-day -day conversation, I'm seeing a lot of these topics being discussed, which I think is great, especially due to the Black Lives Matter movement and due to more discussion about the just systemic racism and systemic colonialism worldwide and worldwide and how that affects different societies. And so I think also it's important to point out that white privilege is connected to white supremacy. And if you want to learn more about white supremacy and what that looks like and what the tools of white supremacy are, we have an episode all about the tools of white supremacy. So we definitely welcome you to listen in to that episode. But for this episode, we're going to first start off by defining white privilege. Yes. So I'm going to explain a definition and we felt it was really important to provide a definition because it'll help to ground not only this episode, but as Ricky said, future episodes. And then throughout this podcast, we will be referring to white privilege and other concepts. So we will try to provide you with a definition so you kind of understand where we're coming from and what the conversation is grounded in. So um, the definition I quote is individual whites may be against racism, but they still benefit from a system that privileges whites as a group. David Wallman succinctly summarizes racism as a system of advantage based on race. These advantages are referred to as white privilege, a sociological concept referring to advantages that are taken for granted by whites and that cannot be similarly enjoyed by people of color in the same context. So government, community, workplaces, schools, etc. End quote. Um, and we're, I'm going to add to this definition and I say that this does not mean that white people do not face struggles or that they will not face discrimination, but that their race is not a contributing factor in the barriers of racism. Um, this definition that we just alluded to is just um, was included by Robin D'Angelo in her book, White Fragility, which is a really popular book right now. It's very accessible. So we felt like it was important to discuss this and, and provide this specific definition, but to add to it, um, which is based off of like interpretation and also um, just a lot of different readings and texts that we have um, explored and, and really delved into um, that are also by women of color, men of color um, that talk about white privilege, systemic racism, um, a lot of these concerns on a deeper level. And so while D'Angelo is a great resource, I think that there's a lot of other resources as well that we will be providing in this specific episode, but also in future episodes as well. So look out for those. Um, and with that being said, now that we have an understanding of the definition, I think it's important to think about why it's detri detrimental to society. So why is white privilege detrimental to all of society? It's understandable why it's not beneficial for non-white people, but I think it's important to understand that there's a lot of layers to white privilege. Mm -hmm. um, as Ricky mentioned earlier, and it's like connection to white supremacy. And so it's important to acknowledge a few different things here. Um, first of all, it's you know, white people 
obviously are benefiting from white privilege. Um, but there are, especially in the past, there have been examples of discrimination against, I'm, I'm noting the word discrimination here or prejudice, not racism against other white people. So, you know, where they've kind of had this surface level of privilege or what some people might refer to as like, a, they currently have a surface level of privilege. So we know um, that these are very contextualized examples. So for example, in America, um, quite recently in our history, in the past, you know, between 100 to 200 years, we've had a lot of open discrimination against white and Irish, um, white Irish and white Italian immigrants um, who came over to this country from Ireland and Italy and a handful of other white um, European nations as well. And so it's important to note that while we acknowledge this, that there was discrimination, there was prejudice against these groups, it's discrimination and prejudice. It wasn't systemic racism in the same way that systemic racism and you know the exclusion from white privilege have impacted communities of color, especially black communities within the United States. So this is what we talk about when we mean like surface level privilege, where um, that was a very, those are very contextualized examples that existed in a certain place in time. Of course, they all have longstanding effects, but what we see now is that white people who are Irish and Italian are not discriminated against in the same way. And they do not suffer and their generations don't suffer from that same level of, um, you know, discrimination that, and, and they don't face a disenfranchisement that people mm -hmm. of color do yeah. or that black communities do. So that it's really important to understand that you can have levels of discrimination that are based on ethnicity, that are based on language, a, a number of different factors, but those are very different from actual um, racism. Yeah. And that all links back to white supremacy and also links into, uh, you know, kind of how it's, it's become detrimental to society overall. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that for the purpose of this episode, this is a topic that I feel like both Charmaine and I are very passionate about. Yeah. Um, and it's a topic that really took some time for us to really, you know, work through to have this discussion, because like we said, it's not an easy discussion. And I think that, Part of it not being easy is because dis dismantling white privilege and dismantling racism is not is not easy in itself. And I'm glad that you introduced that topic of discussion of kind of um, differentiating between racism, which is based on race, and here in America. Um, the term race in itself is a like a social construct and it's a very it's a very hard term to navigate because mm -hmm. it's very black and white per se and it's very and you know i feel like in america we kind of continue to um provide justification for race they're like i i if you ever fill out a form there's all these forms for race it's like um black american african-american white Asian, like Hispanic, these really broad groups, these very broad yeah. groups. And I, I feel like when it comes to talking about um, race in America, first, I find me personally, I find the term race just very, just like convoluted. It's not, it's not something that's very, it, it people say it's easily divine, but it's not because it's, not, it's like, yeah. you know, okay, my race is black. That's, that's what I am. And it's just, that's it. But like, when other people fill out a form, like they, they click, they check Asian. And I'm like, that's so broad. Like, and that's like, well, that's your race. And I'm like, but what about ethnicity? Like, it's just this very difficult topic. And I think that 
understanding how broad the term race is and how detrimental the term race is to society will help us to have this conversation of accepting racism. Because when mm-hmm. the more you study racism, the more I question, well, why does this even exist? This is so stupid. Like it's it's not something that's beneficial to anyone. And I think accepting, part of accepting racism is basically saying saying racism does exist and reverse racism doesn't exist. Yes, that is a very strong statement. Let me break that down. So racism, reverse racism doesn't exist because racism is embedded on systemic, systemic oppression against someone because of their race. And the reason why, um, like I know in, I know that it's mentioned, a lot of things are mentioned, like you said, you know, the Italians were discriminated against. Mm -hmm. It's because at the end of the day, like you are, we're still like white Italian, if that makes sense. And being white Italian, your race at the end of the day is still white and there isn't systemic oppressional tools that have been in place against you because your race is white. There were tools, you know, introduced in society to discriminate against you because you're Italian, Mm -hmm. but there wasn't anything in society to discriminate against you because you are white. Like Charmaine said, that's something that was in the past and it's not something that is inherently present now versus like being, you know, black or a person of color in America. There is like so many different present racist tools that are embedded in our society mm-hmm. that need to be talked about and addressed because I am a black person in America, because I am a per- person of color in America based on my race. So that's kind of like, and this could be a whole topic where we explain reverse racism. And if that's what you're interested in, let us know. And we will definitely have more yeah, conversations absolutely. about reverse racism doesn't exist. And and more explanation and more resources into explaining the difference between, um, you know, prejudice, discrimination, and racism, because I definitely think it is, those are terms that I'm finding people use interchangeably, and that's even more detrimental to the discussion of dismantling racism, because you can't use those terms interchangeably, because they mean different things. And so with explaining racism, I definitely think that part of this explanation also comes with the acceptance that racism is not something that people of color, Black people can fix for themselves. It's not a personal experience, not on a personal level. This isn't something that we can quote unquote, pull ourselves up by our bootstraps and fix. Like our definition said, it's something that's embedded in our government. It's embedded in our community. It's embedded in our workplace and it's embedded in our schools. You look around you and it's embedded in all of these systemic structures, it's not something that you can put on the person of color to quote unquote fix because it's in its foundation is rooted in white privilege and people in color can't fix white privilege because they didn't create white privilege. Mm-hmm. We didn't create white supremacy. So it's not upon ourselves to fix it. And I think as we sit down and we become more accepted to racism, we can see how it's embedded and it's how it's like how the different overt signs of white privilege are happening every day around us. And for this part, we're going to go more into about the evidence of white supremacy. Um, 
in true gray matters fashion, we love providing evidence and that might be because we come from such an academic background and it's very much drilled into you that you can't make a blank statement, you have to provide evidence. So of course we want to provide evidence to you about how white supremacy, white privilege is enacted into our everyday society. And I think one of the biggest conversations when we talk about this evidence comes from microaggressions. And microaggressions are found in every aspect of systemic and individual interactions people of color have with society and social systems. And for example, this microaggression could be, um, oh, you sound very educated for mm -hmm. a black girl. I don't know how many times I've gotten that um, statement told to me over and over again. And, and that's a microaggression because when you sit back and think about it, you're like, well, what do you mean? Mm -hmm. Well, I'm educated for a black girl or a person is beautiful to be a black person or just terms like that where it's kind of like um it's you're feeling this you're feeling the system of oppression in an overt way yeah and it's not something that's very blunt where it's like i hate you because you're black it's just it's like embedded conversations or embedded actions that someone could have that are in, that are rooted in white supremacy and yeah. white privilege. And they feel, I think they often feel uncomfortable for people of color where you're yeah. like, well, I can't really go like, you know, if it happens at work or if mm -hmm. somebody makes a comment about your hair or mm -hmm. some, some anything regarding yes. your, you know, like race, race or ethnicity or even religion or some kind of cultural practice or belief. And it's not, doesn't necessarily always feel comfortable enough to go com complain to somebody about it, like yes. go to HR about it. You're mm -hmm. like, well, cause they could be like, what well, they meant it as a compliment. You know, mm -hmm. maybe, maybe, you know, they have a million and one reasons to back up why maybe that person said it, but it feels uncomfortable. It doesn't mm -hmm. sit well with you. And it's something that you know, inherently in your nature where you're like, that's not right. They shouldn't have said that. That's mm -hmm. a backhanded compliment. Um, yeah. Microaggressions is another one we could have a whole conversation on. So, um, but yeah, I think they're really important to address because microaggressions are an evidence of, of racism, really, yeah. you know, mm -hmm. they're, they're manifestations of racism in our everyday language and in our everyday, um, culture. Mm -hmm. And I think they're also evidence of like how racism impacts people personally mm -hmm. and how it has such a deep rooted impact. And that's why we say, because it has such a deep rooted impact and because it is so embedded in all these different, like, you know, these deep rooted cultural practices that you cannot dismantle it yeah. as like an individual. Mm -hmm. um, and this kind of like, we'll go into our second point or second um, piece of evidence, if you will, um, is like hegemony. And when we say hegemony, we mean this in terms of like the dominant Eurocentric narratives um, that are centered and favored in all aspects of society. And, you know, maybe we can say Western society, but I argue when I say that we, it really is global because mm -hmm. of the impact of colonialism on so much of, of, um, of countries outside of Europe. Mm -hmm. um, but this, so these like dominant Eurocentric, like hegemonic narratives, they are embedded in an evidence in studying like history to popular culture, to media. So, you know, one example is like the stories of um, conquistadors mm -hmm. that are centered in our history books, right? Yeah. So we really study the, the evolution of the world from a Western perspective. Mm -hmm. We're not studying, you know, it's kind of like thrown in there and be like world religions or like a world studies course where you may learn what other parts of the, of, you know, you know, what maybe like was happening in China at the same time, like in the middle medieval empire. Um, but you're, you're really learning about 
these narratives from a dominant Eurocentric perspective. And then mm -hmm. that, of course, like trickles into our popular culture, who, who we see on TV, who is, what I'm going is like, who is responsible for all of these things? Because obviously <laughs> we know who's responsible because yes. that's what we're seeing. But we see this in media, even what is preferred on social media, mm -hmm. in beauty, like, you know, all these like very dominant Eurocentric narratives and standards. Yeah. And I think the conversation of Eurocentric dominancy stems over to our next point of colorism, which yes. like we said, we're going to have a whole episode about colorism. So stay tuned, listen in, where we really um, expand our conversation about the Eurocentric dominant narrative and about what's deemed like acceptable in society. And that's actually another, another point we have on in general, like what's deemed acceptable in society, um, professionalism, beauty, behaviors, etiquette, all of those conversations of, oh, that's not okay for you to do. And um, even like when it comes to a professional conversation, I have a friend who is um, getting ready to be an attorney and in a lot of courtrooms wearing your natural hair is not etiquette. It's not right. professional. And so as a black woman, you kind of feel pressure to, oh, let me figure out a way to be more presentable. It's that respectability, uh, respectability, um, you Politic. know, politics. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Which we talked about in our previous episode um, about like what's respectable and what's a presentable way to present yourself. And a lot of that is, is rooted in white supremacy and white privilege. And I think also that connects to tokenism and like this aspect of you know respectability politics playing into who is the token person of color who is the token um black person to be presented to white people to quote unquote diversify this space and yes. we see tokenism a lot in like we said media we have a whole episode about media which you can listen to too because that's a whole conversation but we have tokenism in everyday life like mm -hmm. a lot of these companies that are trying to quote unquote be more diverse, you see this, oh, well, we have this one black person who's in charge of diversity and inclusion. And that's where, you know, tokenism plays it game, plays its game again. It's like when you have one or two people to represent so many different communities, that's tokenism. And it's yeah. kind of used as a tool for the oppressor to give themselves a pat on the back. Like we did it. This yeah. is your one person. Yeah. Congratulations. Exactly. And mm -hmm. it's, it's almost like touted as a solution. Yeah. And I think people are beginning to become more aware and, and we're right. There's like, you know, this kind of sociopolitical consciousness that we're talking about, but it's largely still a kind of, utilized as like a solution for racist systems. But as Ricky just said, it really just contributes to the problem. Like yeah. it's not fixing anything and kind of like that lovely word that we cringe at diversity, you know, Ugh. it's kind of like tokenism and diversity really do go hand in hand and they're, they're equally problematic. Yeah. Um, and with that being said, like we're, that kind of connects to our, our next piece of evidence, which it's a very large kind of broad topic, but I'll kind of like try to try to summarize it, but it's really the use of technology and how like modern technology and contemporary systems of technology, even like modern, you know, computer algorithms are really rooted in whiteness and they're, they're really rooted in white privilege. And, and in many ways they favor whiteness quite literally and, and figuratively. And that's coming all the way from the people who are in systems of power. So all like mm -hmm. the tech bros and people that are in charge of these systems and, and kind of create technology, but 
even from um, camera, like, so for example, like within technology, when I say, well, how does technology favor whiteness? And that may be like a very crazy concept, but this idea that like um, camera lighting filters, et cetera, all these different things have really, they quite literally favor whiteness. I think it was a study that was done. Um, I read about this some, some time ago and it really opened my eyes up to this, to this concern, because as I mentioned, I worked, I still work in the beauty industry. I'm well aware of kind of like the, the lack of, of inclusion diversity in the beauty space, and even within, um, colors and different things that are available um, and product wise. But when it comes to like Kodak, when they first released their their uh, camera film mm -hmm. and their cameras and even actually before Kodak, you know, from when cameras were first created, um, they really didn't have a great way to photograph people of color. So mm -hmm. that's why if you ever look at really old photographs and even photographs from like the study I read was comparing photographs from different film film companies like Kodak, Fiji film, there's a few others um, or Fuji. But um, they looked at how they took images of mm -hmm. white people and then the features of people of color and how because the cameras, literally the technology was not made to, for people of color. And so if you look at old pictures, people of color, their faces are often like blurrier. Mm -hmm. The features aren't as recognized. Whereas, um, you know, the people, the white people in pictures literally look better because these systems are favoring whiteness yeah quite literally so it's manifested quite literally it's it's really it's a whole fascinating field of study and i encourage you to go down and and look at that and do some research if you're interested also goes into lighting and the way that um people of color are lit and especially dark skin and black people the way that they're lit on camera and in film mm -hmm. and that's why the the show insecure has received a lot of accolades because of their directing and their lighting and, and other than the fact that it's like you know created and written um often directed by by black women but it's the fact that like the lighting on the show is really well done for being a predominantly black cast and also against a dark backdrop because mm -hmm. hello, we need, you know, you need, if you're doing lighting or if you, you know, are, are taking images, you need to have some kind of contrast. Mm -hmm. And that's what really the, the technology was losing was that contrast. So it's, it's a fascinating field of study, but it's really, it's, it's kind of, um, God, like the word enraging comes to my mind because it's really f infuriating. Yes. Like how that these white supremacist systems, like technology, computer algorithms, Google images, like searches, all of these things are inherently racist because they were created by white supremacist systems. And because of that, they are like favoring white privilege. And so um, with that being said, this is often a really difficult conversation for people to hear as well because they're like, well, no, nobody, you know, it's it's like saying that that one tech bro who's working on this one app is in, is racist. And I mean, we're not saying that they may not be, but we are saying that it's the systems themselves that are racist that allow the perpetuation of these behaviors. And because of that, white people are not held responsible for their actions or especially their bad behaviors. They're not, I'm sorry, they're not held responsible for the actions or bad behaviors of other white people. So that kind of, you know, connects to this lone wolf example and how white privilege really affords a place in society that is largely free of these damaging stereotypes and it doesn't affect the positions of power of white people. So like a white person will not necessarily be responsible for the actions of another white person. We've seen this time and time again with mm -hmm. white terrorists. They're not held responsible for the actions of other, of, like white people are not held responsible for the actions of those white terrorists. Whereas we know that that is not unfortunately the case with other people of color Yeah. or other groups of color. Yeah. And it's almost like, like, within like also what stems from that is there aren't any there, 
it's largely free of like damaging stereotypes type stereotypes and it doesn't affect largely affect access to positions of power and and like if you just look at i feel like we love the word holistic if you look at this mm-hmm. in from a holistic lens you will see that white privilege does exist and it affords a place in society that people of color don't have. Like we don't have that same place in society. And I think that, um, like we said, we're gonna provide some resources and we're gonna provide some resources to you and we're gonna list it on our resources page. Like we know this is like a lot of heavy information and this is a lot to take in. And um, we know that it can be, like we said, a difficult conversation, but we just want to acknowledge that the first step is acknowledging privilege, especially if you're white or even white passing. And we want to note that white passing isn't the same as being white. Um, and like we said, privilege, it's its like it comes with levels. There's levels of privilege. And so mm-hmm. acknowledging it and then address systemic privileges for you and others and like be concerned when it's reproduced and be concerned when it reproduces in a system that is set to oppress those who are not white and who are not like white passing. Like, I think it's important, like you said, to look into those studies, learn more about the ways that society has been created to kind of, um, to kind of limit, limit the progression of people of color like if you're in the beauty industry like Mm -hmm. research the history of the beauty industry if you're at whatever like professional or hobby whatever that you do research that so that you're aware of how privilege is enacted in that and then try to think of ways that you can use your privilege and in different ways that you can be a non-performative ally for people of color and for the black community. Um, and I, I think part of that, part of that, I mean, it all starts with just, you know, acknowledging it exists, which is something that sounds so simple, but it's something that I think we still struggle with as a society yeah. is acknowledging that racism does exist. White yeah. supremacy does exist. And it's connection to uh-huh. so many other forms of like dominance. And one of yeah. the references or one of the resources that we're going to reference is, Um, by Peggy McIntosh, who did, um, or McIntosh, I believe is how you pronounce her name. But she did some research and it kind of addressed white privilege before it was kind of like termed and and used as commonly as it is now. And she really connects it to male privilege. Mm -hmm. Um, And so we're going to link to her article and she also has a really great TED talk. But it's just, yeah, like I love Ricky, what Ricky said, like if you are in a field, like research it, do your, do your research. And we use the term white passing in there because I think it's important to acknowledge that Yes, people may be white passing. That is not the same as being white by any way, shape, or form. And that's often thrown in there. We're like, oh, well, this person, you're a light-skinned person of color. Mm -hmm. This is something that I will talk about on a personal level. This happens to me all the time. People are like, well, you don't speak with an accent. And, you know, you're pretty light in the summer. And, you know, you have – but it's very different being white passing to certain people. And also – I could have a whole conversation about being white passing because I don't consider myself white passing. Majority of people in my life have not a handful of people have thought I am. And that it's just interesting because that is also based off of these very white, yeah, yeah, these Eurocentric interpretations of who is considered white and who is not. Um, But it's so important to acknowledge one's own privilege when we are talking about these issues and also our own personal and individual roles in this collective kind of addressing of um dismantling racism Mm -hmm. yeah 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 so yeah we are so excited to 
have more conversations about this um, and stay tuned. We're gonna have a couple of other episodes um, coming up about um, the topics we talked about, colorism, cultural appropriation. Um, if you wanna listen to those, you can listen to us on your platform, podcast platform of choice, or you can listen on our website, graymatterstheblog.com. Um, under the podcast episode link. If you would like to um, follow us on Instagram, we always post resources on our Instagram page. That's Gray Matters, the blog on Instagram. Um, and if you want to hear more about, like we said, the definitions of prejudice, discrimination, racism, if you want to, you know, have more episodes, if you want it in a written form, email us. Let us know what you would like to hear. Let us know your questions. Um, let us know like different ways you're using your privilege and maybe we can share it on our platform too. And our email is graymatterstheblog at gmail.com. But stay tuned, um, stay safe, and we will talk to you soon. Bye.